Welcome to HR Nightmares. I'm Lisa Leith, and I'm here with Beth Looney and Amy Conway. And today we are going to get on a little bit of a soapbox. Right? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. This episode is all about everything we live and breathe and preach about in our daily lives. Um, and especially as consultants at Leith HR Group, we... Um, we kind of advertise ourselves as modern HR practitioners and strategic leaders. And we still sort of face the stigma of HR when you kind of look at our TikTok um, micro clips and the comments that come on it and all the memes that pop out on all these like business TikTok channels yeah. or Instagrams. Everything is about like HR, womp, womp, like party police. Like we don't, you know, we don't like to have any fun. We're into disciplining people and following the policy handbook. Um, so what I really want to do today is talk about um, just the evolution of HR, human resources, which is now becoming everything from people operations to people and culture to we could still call it HR. It's all the same yes. stuff. OK, at the end of the day, it's about people and employees and taking care of both the company and the employees. And so we kind of play this like medium role. Yeah. Um, but I want to it was about 20 years ago, I think each one of us kind of forayed into HR um, in different capacities, right? Um, I know I started as uh, an HR generalist at a boutique law firm in Manhattan. Um, you started at Nordstrom for five years. So I kind of dealt with that being a people manager first. Then I moved into HR and yeah, I was just a coordinator. I did a lot of the onboarding and learning development stuff and intern program and all that good stuff and kind of worked my way up through the system there. And then what was your first job in HR? The first one was um, at the company that we had. Okay. So yeah, kind of at learned the on owned. the fly. Yep. I owned a company, an engineering company and learned on the fly, took a lot of classes yeah. online to try to figure out how to do it. And Which that's interesting in itself. It was <laughs> by fire. And then I went to grad school because I'm like, um, I really want to get the real deal of how to do it. Yeah. And so even traditional, and th this could be a whole nother episode on its own is like traditional schooling and how it's not really hitting the nut on like what employers need today. But I mean, even you think back um, to schooling that we had, we spent so much time. I know at Penn State, we spent a lot of time. It was a great program. It's one of the world renowned um, labor employment relations programs. But like you spent a lot of time talking about laws. Right. And policies. not a lot about like situational scenarios. And like when you talk about humans, there's so much gray. It can never be black and white. You can always refer to a policy or whatever. But at the end of the day, you're sort of you're using a lot of good decision right? making a lot of discernment. And you're never looking back to like case law. Well, the lead wasn't there yeah. like a lead belly or lead bet? Lead, lead better. better. Lead better. Yes. Yeah, I just remember that <laughs> yeah. from studying I for mean, those you tests. Certainly, like, like those things come up when you're dealing with major employee relations, but that's not daily. I mean, it if could you're an, depending on the yeah. business you're in, it could be happening daily. But you know, those kind of companies that are dealing with that stuff daily also hopefully have employment attorneys. I would never, as an HR person, like be able to muddle through that all on my own. A lot of the things I do on my own are things that are just like, well, what feels like the right thing to do for the humans, you know? Yeah. And a lot of those just kind of basic day-to-day, -day, you know, this is just a conversation we need to have. When you guys think about the evolution over the course of your career, so each one of us, about 20 years each um, in this profession, how, like, describe that for me. 
how is it com- how is it come what's good about how it's evolved what's bad about how it's evolved what, how do you how do you describe that well after i had that job with the engineering company then i got hired on and i was the hr manager for a manufacturing company and i think that it has evolved a lot in the fact that it used to be very less people oriented and less business strategy a lot more rules regulations almost like the hr police right so you'd always be Oh, here comes HR. That whole mindset was different. Yeah, the policy. Please. Yeah, and it wasn't. It, I didn't. I never felt that they used my business knowledge to help them grow their business. You know, yeah. and I think that now each HR has evolved to that. So we are at the table and we're talking about business strategy. You know, growing, um, kind of shifting gears of what people are doing and how to how to how to have the the right people at the table to be able to make those changes. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, here's the deal. I I have to acknowledge that I worked for a company that I think I started there in 2002. So I don't know what anything was like prior to that. But I feel incredibly fortunate that I think we always kind of had it right in the way we were set up. When I was, I started as a people manager first. And when difficult conversations had to happen and I didn't know how to have them, I would go marching into my HR manager's office. Hey, do you have time? And she would walk me through what that conversation looked like, make sure I felt comfortable, support me if the conversation didn't go well and maybe she did have to help, you know, or step into the room or my employee wasn't happy and they want to talk to her. So like that, I think, was the right way all along. And HR had a seat at the table when it came to business decisions. And HR was the right hand of whatever leader they supported So, like, I always saw it modeled that way. So what I'll say more than anything is what I struggle with in this role, in a consulting role, is the fact that we help a lot of businesses that didn't have that, you know, being modeled for them through whoever either their HR person was that we're now kind of filling in that gap and replacing, or maybe they never had it to begin with. And there's business leaders that only knew kind of what I think is pretty old school HR. Um, And I'm kind of constantly fighting that because I just refuse to allow them to utilize me that way. I'm like, no, I have no interest in being the policy police. I have no interest in coaching every single human in this building. I'm one individual. There's 100 individuals in this building, and half of them are people managers. So they need to learn how to have these tough conversations themselves. And I'm here to guide and support them. But I'm not just going to do it for them. Just because that's what you had doesn't mean that was the right way. Everything would fall on HR, the difficult conversations. So the management didn't necessarily have those, and they would rely on us to go in to have the difficult conversations. And now I think it's shifted the way it should be. And if you had mm-hmm. it at Nordstrom, you already had it the right way. Yeah. But then we can kind of give um, aid, support, guidance to the management team, then they can make those decisions and they yeah. can have those conversations because ultimately it's their it's their group yeah. that they're managing and they need the skills, right? Yeah, and it was funny. I mean, at Nordstrom, like the way you really got into HR, at least in the, in the stores, right? In the regions, in HQ, it was a little different where we had a lot of specialty HR people and talent acquisition yeah. and all that thing. Um, but in the, on the store side and in the what we would think of as field really, um, the way you got into HR was kind of being a great people manager. Right. So I, that was my kind of like entry in. And the reason why I was chosen to move into that open HR role when it came was because I became really good at coaching people. 
and the people side of managing departments and it, so that that's, that's super interesting because that was also the same at Corning when you rewind mm-hmm. 20 years um my first manager at Corning was he was a, he was an engineer and yeah. he was just a really great and it came naturally to him right he would like Somebody was acting a little strange today. He'd be like, come here. Let's go grab lunch together. What's going on with you? Right. Um, And he became an HR leader and kind of moved up through the ranks. But then slowly that transition, I would say probably 15 years ago to like that being poo-pooed. Um, like How instead of being, yeah, instead of being a people man, a great people manager, it was like to have a pedigree. Right. And so <clears throat> I think about like I went to school with a HR degree um, and that was looked up really favorably right i had the education versus like it actually probably would have been better if they had thrown me in as like forced me to do a rotation for a year as a shift supervisor like dealt with all the frontline baloney before i start giving people advice on how to deal with these you know night shift debaucheries um but no uh and so there was a shift there the other thing that i would say has been noticeably different and maybe it's changing a little bit certainly changing on my team at vanica but Um, HR used to be a man's career. Employee relations was a man's Mm -hmm. career when my mother got into it. Yeah. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like in the mid nineties, late nineties, it was all men in the senior leader, human resource and employee relations spots. And then like, I mean, shit, you turn around like yesterday and it's like every single HR manager or director yeah. role is it filled is, by a I, woman. I think I looked it up statistically. It's about like 70 to 75%. It's in the 70s of like percentage female in HR career professionals. So, we, but you think about, you think about uh-huh. like why that is. And so we rewind 15 years ago and like the old school HR and it's people, you're, you're literally like, pushing paperwork and doing administrative and managing the workers comp program and the return to work program. It's sort of like these caring, like or very like, black and white activities. Very like, you know, I, I can filing, hit that, filing, right? or I can party that. planning. There's a resource that I, it's, like it's, a woman is better at party planning. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had, I worked okay. at a place and literally I got called, I was on vacation. Um, I just want to know the status of the Christmas party. I was like, A, I'm on vacation. B, I've had a couple of drinks. No. C, it's a, C, like, it's a holiday it's party. Be a good yeah, Christmas we're party. HR. Yeah. Well, it's a holiday party. Do you know how many times I've had to say, HR are not your party planners? Yes. I mean, I've literally had to say that. And finally, there's some things that obviously with our clients, there, there's only so many resources we have in the building. So sometimes it's like, we've got to wear the hats because who else is going to do it? And I... I'm like, finally, you know, sometimes I stop fighting and just do it because it's just easier. Um, But I've had to say many times, like, I want to be clear, like going forward, as you continue to grow as a company, like this is not an HR activity. I don't want HR planning social function. Who wants to come to the HR planned social (laughs) function? Like nobody. Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to attend and see what's happening at the social function, let alone should I be planning it? But sometimes we need to plan it. Because remember, I've told this story before, but they had the pool party and there was like all men with a couple of women that were wearing super skimpy bikinis. I'm like, you guys are co-workers. Yeah. You're like, who thought that was a great idea? And it wasn't sun bum. So... (laughs) That was in the company where, well, yeah, I I think if you think about just like general gender, like the way that we look at gender in our society has evolved a lot too. And so I'm really happy to see 
men being interested in, yeah, and like coming back into you know people with all different backgrounds career. being interested in being a people leader whether you're leading like talent development or you know org stuff or employee relations or being you know even be, even being a generalist or re- recruiting i mean gosh i've probably got one of the best recruiters on the vanica team and i have a team of all guys right now it's like really that's really crazy surprising. it's like totally yeah. ooh, status quo slicing you up but yeah, I think it's really – I'm so interested in seeing the future of our profession evolve into being a little bit more inclusive, and I think it can. Well, I think it should be a really well-thought-out career path for business leaders within an organization, right? And I think, again, I go back to my, like, Nordstrom days of, like, we really – I mean, in order to be a great HR business partner, you had to understand the business, Mm -hmm. right? What made me a great HR business partner was that I knew as much about the business as the business leaders knew, Mm -hmm. right? And I could sit in and even though not everything was my decision, I could weigh in with really good business acumen. And that is part of the career of HR. And that's why I'm so passionate about and I get on my soapbox a lot about how HR professionals should be utilized because it's really underutilizing our abilities when you're not letting us sit in on business business topics. And you mm-hmm. mentioned that before, like uh, the company you went to after you owned your own engineering company with the X. Um, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but you um, <laughs> they didn't they didn't leverage. Right. They didn't fully utilize your business acumen. You said one of the pros to you being an HR manager at Nordstrom was that you had some business acumen. I feel that I have great business acumen when I step into like any one of the clients or because mm-hmm. well, you own your own business. And I own my own business. Right. right. But um, I'm always like curious. So if you're thinking about getting into HR as a career, you have to be naturally curious mm-hmm. to ask a lot of questions and understand what's a day in the life of a production employee? What's a day in the life of the quality manager? What's a day in the life of the kid who writes code over here? You have to be curious. Otherwise, you're not going to understand what programs to even propose. And you're surely not going to understand the return on investment to get that money out of your CFO. Well, so. here's a question I've got. Okay. So I kind of went into HR kind of non-traditionally just by owning this company you went to HR through school. Yep. What do you think and when you're hiring, like you said, you have a great recruiter. So were you looking, what were you looking at for that? Are you looking, do you think that we're going to evolve away from maybe the educational attainment and more just the experience in the business world? I don't know. I think it depends on the situation and like kind of evaluating the job you're trying to fill. So uh, like if you were to, let the job speak, which there are actual assessments out there that we have mm-hmm. um, available uh, through Leith HR Group. But there's a job benchmark where you can actually create a behavioral profile on if the job were to tell me, if the job could speak, what would it tell me about the behaviors, the motivators, the competencies of this person? An HR leader at one company could require totally different behaviors than an HR leader at another company. So like, for instance, for me, when I was looking for a recruiter at Vanica, we knew we were going to go from like 60 employees to like 130 employees. And we were no longer sort of like this scrappy little startup, but we were like, no kidding, had a great product market fit. We got a private equity investment and we were like, let's go get those A players. Well, to get A players, you need somebody who can play the game. We just so happen to get an ex like professional athlete who negotiated his own contract in the MLS 
and um and just is a fabulous salesperson yeah. and he also has a super high IQ and is able to like conversate so that's what i needed at that at that point but for some companies we have like we need an entry level recruiter someone who can mm-hmm. you know basically screen, screen sure, the app, screen the applications if there's a lot of volume applications i could think for sure in healthcare like you need a ton of recruiting coordinators just to get through the volume of people applying um, and make sure that we're being timely and responding. But like, that's not again, that's not real recruiting. So like screening applications and doing phone screens, that's not recruiting. It's a function of a it's recruiting. a function yeah. of recruiting. Right. Like it's a necessary evil. Right. But like, I mean, you're not even going to need recruiting coordinators in the future with AI. I think there's a probably a balance. Right. I mean, I think it's I think HR is a, a pretty hard profession, even though I, I don't know everyone would agree with that. But you have to be great at finance and budgeting, right? You have to understand business, so have good data and analytics abilities. Mm-hmm. You have to understand technology because a lot of times you're either rolling it out or helping everybody else figure out how to use it, right? Yeah, you have to be seen as the yeah, expert. <laughs> you have to be a really have a really high EQ and be able to talk and actively listen and use good decision-making. You have to, you know, no risk and legal thing. I mean, there are so many dynamics. Project and management. That, that each one of those things I just described, and I could go on and on, are a separate job for exactly. other individuals, whereas HR professionals have to be a generalist and know enough about each one of those things That's to true. do the day-to-day activities that are required. You have to be able to talk with the sales leader. You have to be able to talk with the CFO. Yes. You have to be able to talk with the engineering leader, with the production supervisor. The interns. And the I, interns. And unfortunately, yeah, because we're running the intern yeah, program. I just don't think that <laughs> that is the type, learned. talent pipeline to come in, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully I, you I have just an intern don't program. think that that's learned in school. Unfortunately, I do think now people need to be given a shot and they've got to get those entry level jobs to get the experience. But unfortunately in HR, I would rather people have some experience in the business than just have a degree in HR personally. And then go back more if you're going to be a generalist. So yeah. yeah, I think like, for instance, I have a non-traditional person in a director of HR role working for me at Vanica. He used to be a principal. Now, there's a lot of things that you can, there's a lot of similarities, right, to being a principal. Um, He's a fabulous HR person. He's got a big career ahead of him, but he's learning because he never got that education in employment law or workers' comp or global compensation or all the things that we, yeah, like that we actually got coming up the ranks. He didn't get in his education degree. But the human side, he has The human side. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Fabulous. Great intuition. Which I think is probably the harder one to teach. It is. It, you can't teach <laughs> that. You <laughs> cannot teach that. That's ingrained in you. Yeah. Either you yeah. have it that's or you don't. That's who you are mm-hmm. intrinsically. And while it can be worked on and developed, it, it, if it's not there to begin with. It, no, no. And you know what you do? You literally get on Sherm's website and start reading. Again, it's about being curious. Yeah. One thing that happened this week that was so fun. I work with a with a small company. All my companies are small. And we are really pushing back on doing the recruiting that the supervisors need to do their own recruiting because the person that does HR at this company has been doing all of it. And it's just it's just too much. And she's she's looking for things that probably they're not looking for. Right. That's like old mindset. Yeah. So we're, we're switching it. And it was really fun to try to teach somebody what to look for in a, in a resume. Yeah. And how to kind of structure the interview 
and that kind of thing. So well, people I love, managers I love, need to have the teaching yeah. these skills, right? Yeah, they, yeah, people managers need to really like from the minute we start the recruiting process, like really, you know, be choosing those candidates and interviewing them along the way. I mean, but I had this conversation this week too, where it was one of those where the people manager didn't understand why they had to tell candidates that they interviewed or an internal conversation, you know, they thought HR should do that. Right. And I'm like, well, when that candidate though has questions about why you didn't choose them, it's not an. I can't answer those <laughs> old, questions. I didn't inter- I haven't met them. I don't know them. I didn't talk to them. So there's a reason why people <laughs> managers should be the ones communicating because it was your choice to not move forward with them as an applicant. And you need to own that choice. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking of other things when people are like, "Hey, um, you know, this person's not doing well at their job. Can you put them on a performance improvement plan?" And I'm like. I don't know what you to don't do. Know yeah. Them. yeah, like I have a process. I don't I'll even know what their yeah. job duties exactly. are. Exactly, and I basis. don't know what they've done. But, <laughs> but you do. Let's you talk know. about it. Yeah. Let me help you with that performance right. plan. But I think this brings up a really great point, and it's that our role, especially as in a leadership HR role, is to really proactively coach people managers on how to be the best leader and manager they can be for their people. And I think that's something that we've like severely underestimate in business as like, doesn't matter how small, how big, Mm -hmm. what industry we severely underestimate the investment and the training and the time we spend as like the executive team and the HR leadership team in our people managers. Mm -hmm. Um, These people need training and it doesn't matter how long they've been doing it. We change comp review processes. We change the way that we want them to do quarterly reviews or annual, like we, we do change process and guess what? They have a freaking day job. Right. So like we just need to repeat ourselves and offer, you know, monthly quarterly trainings, like touch base, drop in hours, um, one-on-one skip levels with the CEO is something that, um, I just started doing with some of our emerging talents, but like we have an obligation now to lead our people managers in sort of a non- uh, like they don't report to us, obviously, right? But it's like influence without authority, right, right. and teach them how to be great to their folks. That's that's a that's a role that maybe we we didn't play in the past. Yeah. Can I can I like bring up? You said it in the very beginning. I want to go back to it because I have some real opinions here, and it's not shocking. Anyone who knows me knows I have opinions <laughs> about everything, but um, I have some real hmm. opinions here into the evolving names of HR. You talked yeah. about it. Yeah. Personnel. Remember the that oh, was yeah, like in yeah. the yeah. 70s. I want to talk 70s. about these new ones that People are still driving personnel changes. Me nuts. Okay, tell me. Okay. It's probably my title. It probably is. <laughs> the one that Let it rip, baby. the one that I like is absolutely a pet peeve of mine is people operations. Oh. People Why? Operations. See, that doesn't bother me. That's people bother. in operations. Like those. Don't even people go ops. together. People up. Right. But people are people and operations is operations. <laughs> like those are two different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like humans are not operations or we're not talking about machine. It drives me nuts. I'm like they're. But human resources is also very cold. It's like um, I'm ordering no, the from AliExpress. The, the human. You have all these resources. I. That's how I think of human resources. I think it was created in the sense of like. You have all these resources to help you with benefits and the talent acquisition and recruiting and career development stuff. And here's the humans that's in the resource, yeah. right? So, like, I think about it in that realm of, like, there's a human component to the resources that we have for our people, right? 
the people operations. I'm sorry. It drives me. <laughs> it also drives me nuts for companies that actually have operations orgs. Right. And I'm like, well, wait, we have a whole division that's actually just title operations. So now the, you're, we're the people operation, then you're the operation. So like, <laughs> this is very confusing to all of us. OK, so that one drives me nuts. That doesn't drive me nuts. That's my one that I really just silly not titles, like. Okay, though, people operations, thumbs up or the thumbs other, down. We, I don't we mind can all vote. OK, thumbs, thumbs up. down. It's terrible okay okay what about the one do you remember a long time ago there was one called camp counselor and it was like oh. zany we're what? zany <laughs> like look at us i have never heard no. of that double thumbs down That's like mm-mm. middle finger up yeah double okay. thumbs down <laughs> okay okay so the new one the, and this is what you're probably called people in culture people double in culture right down, middle finger <laughs> Are you good people in culture? That's what I call my director. Yeah, that who's basically like an HR manager anywhere else, right? Right, right. Okay, so people in culture. I don't hate it as much as I hate. You're just saying that because you're sitting in front of me. Yeah, you're scared what I'll do. No, I don't care. Um, you buy your own drink. People in culture, I laugh because I'm recruiting for, I'm replacing myself at one of our clients, and we're hiring for people in culture, and that's what was wanted. And like, I don't, I don't totally dislike that one. But what's hilarious is because you call it that, and you post a job called people in culture, I keep getting all these resumes for people who have no HR background, but they're really good at built at culture. Like, they only they, they see the me. culture part of that and think that it's party planning and social coordination oh, and okay. event mark like i'm getting all these resumes and I i'm like plan a company this is really <laughs> like blurring the lines i don't think people i don't think we've transitioned enough to go put this on linkedin and like we see this and i'm getting that a lot is, of okay. bad resumes i think that people yeah. Yeah. the definition of culture i think that that might be really like all it's over all the game over the place because so it's, yeah. it's a little hard i don't totally dislike it but as i a think title. it's because culture is not well defined exactly it's, it's very it's nebulous like, yeah people can we're choose. not we're not quite there yet right. well on depends on the industry depends on the industry in tech Every single person at the CHRO level is called chief people officer. That's just like a tech thing. Yeah. Um, and then where pe- we were CHRO. Yeah. Chief and like, human resources and, Which officer. is still super fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like HR manager, HR director, that's something that people can wrap their minds around. Just people say director, in culture. Why can't we just say director of people? Yeah, we can. You know what I mean? But why is that to be the people in culture? I give a thumbs up. I do. The reason why I don't like the culture piece is because, again, I think that that's putting it all on HR yeah. and not on the people that's, managers and that. the executive yeah. leadership. To the, I'm sorry, but creating company culture is not the job of one individual. So that's the only reason I don't love that title because I think it puts culture all in the hands of HR. My director of people and culture, I hear it from him once a week. He's like, I'm the only person in this company with culture in my title. And I take it really personally because, you know, he's thinking about and he thinks of big picture things like he's like, hey, I've really noticed that at our volunteer activities or our 360 when we ask people to come into the office and attend in person or bring um bring donations in or, you know, just showing up in general. He's like, I've noticed that the executive team isn't really doing that lately. And like as the person with culture in their title, that's really damaging our culture. And so it's not like he's not trying to be on the event planning committee, but he is legitimately concerned about, about the culture, the yeah, culture yeah. that but we're representing. The culture from the top is like, down. Are you allowing mistakes? Like that's a culture. Are mistakes okay? Do you make a mistake? Oh, it's so broad. Yeah, it's you so know? broad. And but it's, yeah. it, it it is really funny because if you think of culture only as like the social aspect, you're missing the entire point of what 
culture yeah, is. Yeah, culture the is our comp philosophies, our practice, our best practices. You know, do we do what we say we're going to do when we say we're going to do it? Integrity, like, there's just right. all there's this, all... like, yeah, why isn't he just the director of people? Since you're the chief people officer, couldn't he just be the director of people? He could be. But he... I'm going to call Graham to see what he wants. <laughs> His title to me. I'll, and see if I'll I can help him work that. on it. I'll text him right now. He's like, I'm sorry that I did this like, to you. Are you on your, on your bandwagon here. Okay. Well, so I have people one. in culture a thumbs up. Okay, yeah, I'm okay with it. I just think it's like not quite, we haven't like fully baked it out enough that like everyone recognizes it for what it actually is, which yeah. is the HR director. Yeah. <laughs> I think it. I think I it matters for the industry. Think it's wrong. Like I don't think HR is bad. I don't think we have to recreate a whole title to like shift the cultural dynamic of human resources. I think that shift's been happening for decades. Like right. you said, it's shifted tremendously over the course of two to three decades. It will continue to shift. What that shift means is having really good people in those positions who understand what the roles of HR should be and what it looks like to be a business partner and to have business leaders who also understand that and allow those professional people into those great conversations about business. When the Society of HR Management changes their name to something else, yeah. then we can all kind of like get on the new lingo. The Society of People and Culture. <laughs> If you're not watching on YouTube, I just rolled my eyes. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The Society of People Operations. People culture operations. Well, that's that's camp her. counselors of America. Camp counselors. I'm gonna get all this hate from all my friends that have had title changes. I'm like, whatever. I'm sorry, I don't, but the titles. If don't, it was, it wasn't it broken. I don't me. think we need to like reinvent the wheel. Re all right, hey, let's. Um, any any other comments about the evolution of HR and what we're annoyed with? Or what we were looking forward to. I mean, this week I'm annoyed with so many things. <laughs> Let's talk about what I did last night. Okay. I told them this before we started recording. But there is this website for HR, which I actually really like. Fairy God Boss. Have you heard it? No. I get on Evil HR. <laughs> evil HR lady. But, yeah, oh, evil HR lady. Evil HR lady. Okay, Fairy yeah. God Boss is good. I mean, they have articles and it's a good like resource. It's like the muse, you know, but for... And, but people can go in and write all their little questions, right? And it's just anybody, you know, it's like a Reddit for HR yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And anyone can answer these questions. They're not HR people or employment lawyers answering these questions. And I rarely respond because I'm not, I don't like to engage with strangers on the internet. I don't like to engage with strangers face to face, let alone on the internet. <laughs> so in general, I don't usually respond, but once in a while, I'm like, this is a really good question. It seems like this person either doesn't have good HR or I feel bad that they're so lost. So I try to give my really good professional HR advice. And then somebody commented on my comment. <laughs> and I was like, you are wrong. And then I kept commenting. But I posted it all anonymously because I don't want to put my name out there. <laughs> but, but you should have said you were Beth Looney. <laughs> I would have absolutely killed you. I would have a profile. So it kind of knows you can click post anonymous. And so I would die. I, and I would literally little, die. This little troll was writing on all the comments. And it's like, that's against, that's against the law. That's illegal. You still have to follow ADA. I'm like... ADA is not just a blanket for all protection of things like based on the size of that business, they may not have to follow any kind of reasonable accommodation. Like you don't know that. I mean, I was like trolling her trolling and it was 
How really close bad. together in time were the uh, comments? I don't know. I just went through and I like, was anything like she had responded to. One I minute or less. Again. Then, wow. <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe she was having cocktail hour at so her house. I, I rarely care that much, but I was just having a week, and at ten thirty at night, that felt like the right thing to do when I was supposed to be going to bed for an early so morning. Look for anonymous responder yeah, on yeah. Fairy Boss or but whatever. She was wrong, or he or she. I don't know. I think it was a she. She was wrong in giving bad advice, and I had to correct her. Well, good. Direct people to HR Nightmares write in so that we can all weigh in and give them great advice. I'm going to start bringing those questions to our thing. That They're would be good. great. They're good questions. I'm going to start writing in to the people. Visit HR Visit Nightmares. HR Nightmares. Actually, better, that's fair. Yeah. better advice than these strangers on the internet are Absolutely. giving you. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you'll be trolled about these women are horrendous to watch and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. We've gotten told we're wrong a few times, too. And it takes every bone in my body to not respond. And I just like, like you're when Gabby responds. You think we're wrong. It's like, I'm, I don't really get <laughs> Oh, my God. So what are some of our questions for this week? Okay. So some of our questions are... Um, Okay, from Florida. So I'm going to summarize this because it's a little hard to read verbatim. But basically, there's a person at a company that has befriended, like, the CEO's wife. Okay? And basically walks around the office like a hotshot and they can do no wrong. And the person that's writing in has gone to HR and complained, like, they're basically rude. They're being a bully about things. And... Um, and it's because they feel empowered and entitled because they have this personal relationship with the CEO and their family. Um, what what do they do, basically? They, that is they reported HR it to HR. I really it is hate such an HR like, I hate that so much. Yeah, it is an HR nightmare. I think you just really need to have like a frank, and maybe, I don't yeah. know what the CEO is like. Like, do, are, can you walk, can you schedule some time with that person? Does the CEO's wife work for the company? It didn't I'm sound confused. like it. It didn't sound it's like it. It's probably like they're got, friends. They and, go, oh, well, so I they go the out. CEO. Right. And they're I like in do. the know about all the things. Then the CEO needs to kind of get in there and <clears throat> yeah. help direct that a little bit and be like, listen, I understand you have a relationship with my wife and you have a friendship, which I think is perfectly fine, but that doesn't excuse, you know, behavior in the office right i think you have to be be really professional i think you have to be really careful that of that kind of stuff and if you see any any of that idling up i think it's yeah exactly it's their responsibility but yeah you can't let that just go because that's talk about culture that is one way to just squash every go to your people and culture director and they'll solve the problem but in all honesty that kind of stuff i've I've dealt with some of that yeah it's really really difficult yeah we've gone to the person like hey fy your spouse, you know, is doing this. And yeah. I think yeah. if you've got an approachable CEO, you should schedule some time with the person and be like, hey, I would think that you'd want to know right. that your personal relationship with this other family, what the guy the guy or the woman works here, um, is people are noticing that and they're talking about it and it's making people uncomfortable. Like, I think you should know. Yeah, it's they're trying to get some favoritism. And yeah. yeah. It's just but coming it, across as really weird. And then that so, individual needs to be coached as well. Right. Yep. By the CEO, probably, if the HR person doesn't want to do anything. Okay, um, this is pretty interesting. <laughs> I, this is another CEO um, issue. An employee's mental health provider has sent a request that the employee no longer meet with the CEO in any capacity due to anxiety. Um, instead, they suggest all requests flow through their manager. We are a small company, and most people at this employee's level have some level of contact with the CEO. She fought to get promoted to her position just a few months ago and has taken time off to deal with her mental health several times since then. How do I handle this accommodation as well as support the employee? Well, I have some thoughts. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't think that it meets meets a reasonable accommodation, even if it you have medical documentation. I, it's not a reasonable accommodation, right? Reasonable accommodations because of any kind of disability, which the mental health would fall under there, if qualified for, it is making accommodations so that someone has the ability to do their job that, again, are within reason. So saying that someone just would never have contact with the leader of the organization is probably not going to be a reasonable accommodation. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So there's my there's my note on the reasonable accommodation. I wonder if that's the same but one. But there from has last to be night. something. You have to wonder too if the CEO has caused such a right. work environment that this yes. person there's is there's a few layers here. Flipping out. You well, know? I've had I, I've had plant managers that I've had a coach and they were responsive to the coaching, thank God. But they would um, you know, wake up at three in the morning and go get on the computer and look at the gooey, you know, dashboards on the production floor and like pop off emails that people see as soon as they wake up. And then they're like, ah, freaking out. I got to get to the plant. I got to do like, I got to answer this plant manager's questions. And the plant manager didn't really realize that they were causing chaos. Right. That they, and they stress and anxiety. They thought they were simply just asking a question. Right. And they were awake at 3 a.m. Yeah. So, so like, hey, I'm going to send it. I'll figure they'll see it when they wake up. It's fine. So I think a lot of CEOs have just different, like, literally different schedules um they are not super aware of like the times and outlook now says like do you want to send this it's 9 p.m like or you are... can also schedule it to be right, sent right. Schedule it send i think there's many leaders executive leaders who do not understand that their title alone and their position in the company alone create stress and anxiety for people that work in the organization there are many many people who would not be bothered by that, right? And they're not intimidated, but there's many, many individuals who would be because they already are pleasers. They want to do a great job. They're perfectionists. Mm -hmm. So the minute the CEO criticizes, it's like they take it so much harder than if it was just their direct manager because of just their position alone. It's true. And I work with many that they just don't want They think they're in there in those conversations. And when they go directly get involved, they think they're helping. Yeah. And it's like, you're not helping. In fact, you're making it so much worse than if you just let the person's direct manager handle that conversation because your relationship with that employee is not the same, right? That just happened and so yesterday. They don't that know. Yeah, the, the care for there, right? Like, whereas you think you care a lot about that individual. They don't feel that because you don't have a day-to-day -day relationship yeah. and rapport it with does. them in the same way. So you really need to let people closer to them. I had this rule, like, true. It, as a leader, that my role was when I was a store manager, especially of Nordstrom, right? Because I had 20 managers that worked underneath me and then all the employees worked underneath them. And I firmly believe that if it was anything in a corrective action or a disciplinary or a like redirective coaching conversation, my managers needed to handle that. I talked them through it. I was there to support them, but they needed to do that exactly, so that I could go in and my relationship with the employees was to provide inspiration and leadership and guidance and support. And I also wanted to be that open door when they weren't happy mm -hmm. with what their manager said. So they had somebody else to go to. But I was like, I can't, A, I don't want to take the power away from my managers. And B, I don't want my people. I know that when it comes from me, it has a really different meaning than when it comes from their manager who they work with every single day. So like, I understood that. And, and I think that's like a really good rule to follow. I think there's probably some coaching that this 
person needs to do with the CEO, this HR person needs to do with the CEO to just let them know, hey, the emails at 3 a.m., the getting involved yeah. with team meetings that simply don't need to get involved with, you're not being helpful. That feedback's probably good for the mm -hmm. person. If we think that this person is like legit, CEO is legit, like causing anxiety and we're considering the accommodation, if you wanted to challenge it, you could A, ask if, if you could talk to the provider more. Right. Right. Yep. Or you could send the employee to the company doctor, right? And kind of give a preview yeah. of like what the job entails, why it's important for the CEO to communicate with every employee or employees in this position. Um, or what what kind of balance can be there? So to say that you're never going to have to interact, that's probably not reasonable. But right. are there some other things that are reasonable, right? So there there could be some like negotiating there and what that accommodation actually looks like. Right. But um, to go back to that original, like just because a medical provider writes it in doesn't necessarily mean that a company has to meet the reasonable accommodation. Going back to my argument last night with the trolls on the internet because it was about <laughs> ADA accommodations. Oh, man. Yeah, that, I feel for that HR manager that wrote in. Wrote in. Yeah. yeah. That is yeah. 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 tough situation. They can, they can figure it out. Yeah. All right, guys. Call us, right? Yeah. Give it. Call us. Yep. Give give Leith HR Group a call. We'd love to get involved more deeply and ask more questions. Um, so if you weren't watching this on YouTube, you're probably listening it to it on Spotify or Apple. Um, what do we call or it? Wherever Apple podcast or wherever, wherever you listen you to your podcast. podcast. But seriously, tune in on YouTube. Um, Gabby does a nice job along with our Signal Fire guys of editing the shit out of this thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> We just need more filtering. No, Sometimes our comments require seeing the facial expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should watch this on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks so much. Go back and check out the other episodes that we have. And we'll see you next time on HR Nightmares. Bye. Bye.